greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this podcast. We've been offering these online acts of worship every week since the first lockdown began, almost a year ago now. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. We've kept a candle burning here on the altar each day since the very start of that first lockdown as a sign of hope, even when our doors have been closed. And we think about you and give thanks for you each day when it is lit. Do please leave a comment or a like as you listen to our service. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. Now, may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Seated. 
a very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the second Sunday of the season of Lent. Wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Let us come to the Lord who is full of compassion and acknowledge our transgressions in penitence and faith. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Merciful God, whose Son Jesus Christ, the child of Mary, shared the life of a home in Nazareth, 
and on the cross drew the whole human family to himself. Strengthen us in our daily lives, that in joy and sorrow we may know the power of thy presence to bind together and to heal. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from Genesis, chapter 17, beginning at the first verse. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from Romans chapter 4, beginning at the 13th verse. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. But the words it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him that raised the, from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was put to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I have always found names fascinating, and names can be very powerful things. The names that we were given can play a significant role in defining who we are, how we perceive ourselves, and how the world sees us and relates to us. I myself am known by three different names by different categories of people in my life. Most of the world knows me as Alison. No surprises there, of course, because that happens to be my correct given name. But members of my birth family would never dream of calling me Alison unless they felt obliged to do so in polite company because they all know me by a family nickname that is completely different and wholly unrelated and it would never occur to them to use anything else. And just to complicate things further, I was known by another version of my name when I was at school and university and into early adulthood. And that's a name that's still used by those friends and acquaintances who've known me for more than about 30 years. Actually, I respond very happily to all three names because at some level I remain all three of those manifestations of me. So long as people from category A don't start calling me by one of my other names without my consent because that always feels rather presumptuous. Anyway, we may love the name we were given at birth, we may hate it, we may find that we grow into it over time, or feel the need to jettison it and adopt another name to feel that we can truly be ourselves. 
A significant change in our role or identity or status may be accompanied by a change of name. Indeed, I can remember when my own children were born feeling a great weight of responsibility in the task of choosing names for them because so much seemed to be at stake. It's also the case, of course, that the refusal to address someone by their proper name can be a means of dishonouring them, of denying them their identity, even their full humanity. I can well remember when I was still quite young and was reading about the slave trade at school, being profoundly affected not only by the horrific and unspeakable brutality of slavery, but also by the fact that enslaved human beings were deprived even of their names, because it was, of course, standard practice for enslaved people to be called boy or jacko or scipio or some other generic designation, just as dogs were traditionally called things like Fido or Rover or Rex. Names matter. They really, really do. And names regularly have a particular significance in the Bible. It's commonly the case that a change in an individual's status or significance is marked by a change of name in the stories in Scripture. In our first reading this morning from the book of Genesis, we heard how Abram, the name means something like exalted father, is given by God the new name Abraham, which means father of a multitude as a sign of God's covenant and promise to him. And at the same time, Abram, Abram's wife, Sarai, is given a new name too, Sarah. St. Paul, the author of today's reading from Romans, began life as Saul before his conversion to Christ on the Damascus Road. In St. Matthew's Gospel, we're told how when Simon recognizes Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, for the first time, Jesus bestows upon him a new name. Peter, the Greek Petros, means rock. And Jesus goes on to say, on this rock I will build my church. The only one whose name eludes us entirely is, appropriately enough, Almighty God. You may remember perhaps that when Moses encounters the angel of the Lord in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, Moses asks God for his name and receives the reply, I am who I am, which can also be translated, I will be what I will be. Fast forward to chapter 8 of St. John's Gospel, where the Pharisees are asking Jesus who he claims to be, and Jesus replies to them, Very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Perhaps no surprise that his hearers were so horrified 
that they picked up stones to throw at him for what they regarded as his blasphemy, because the implication of what he had just said to them did not escape them. But let's reconnect with the issue of our own names for a moment, because there's one final dimension to this theme in Scripture that I'd like to refer to here in Revelation, Revelation 2.17. There, the author of Revelation makes reference to the giving of a white stone with a new name written on it, a name that is known to no one except the one who receives it. Now, if I can be allowed to lift that image out of its specific biblical context, I do love the idea that we each have a name, a true name, that we have yet to discover, a name that at the present time is known only to God, a name that bears within it the full revelation of our identity, an identity that even we can only glimpse within this present world, but which will be revealed to us in the fullness of time when we are finally at one with God, and when all our layers of insecurity, self-delusion and pride are finally stripped away. I love that thought. I love the idea that whatever our relationship with our given name may happen to be, eventually we shall discover our true name, a name that is at present known only to God. In my youth, one of the things that always rather put me off, the idea of exploring the Christian faith, was the fear that if I were to do so, I would somehow end up losing my individuality and my identity, that somehow everything that was distinctive and unique about me would end up being subsumed under a system that dictated what I did and what I thought and how I behaved and the choices that I made, because for me, that's what being part of a religious outlook seemed to imply at, the, at that time. And gospel readings such as the one we have just heard didn't seem to help with all that talk of the need to deny yourselves before taking up your cross and following Christ. These days, however, I would interpret that passage in exactly the opposite way. Namely, I would say today that it's precisely through freeing ourselves from the superficial and unnecessary paraphernalia of life and the barriers that we erect around ourselves to protect our pride and our fragile egos and to do so by denying ourselves the things that keep those artificial constructs in place. It's precisely by, by doing that that we take the first steps towards discovering our true name, the name that for now is known only to God. The problem is, of course, that when we do take the risk of shedding all that is unnecessary and distracting by denying ourselves, we have nothing left to protect us from the reality of our shortcomings 
our sinfulness, our guilt, our shame. But it is precisely there, within that vulnerability, that we also come to recognize the true extent of God's love and grace. Yesterday, the 27th of February, is the date on which the church commemorates the Anglican priest and poet George Herbert. And I can do no better than to leave you with one of his most famous poems, which takes up the theme at precisely this point. He wrote this. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, ah, oh, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then, I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So... I did sit and eat. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Heavenly Father, we stand before you this morning remembering the example of our Father in faith, your servant Abraham. We pray for your church across the world, especially today for the Anglican Church of Central America, their primate, Julio Murray Thompson, the Bishop of Panama, and all who worship there. We give thanks for Alison, our rector, Jeff, our associate priest, and all who make our worship online possible. We give thanks for their loving care and support and ask that you will encourage them and give them strength to help us to continue to meet the challenges that lie ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Bless and protect Elizabeth, our Queen, and we pray for the speedy recovery of her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, and that he and his family may know your love and support at this time. Guide and support all our world leaders, our Prime Minister and all in positions of authority. As we continue to join this service from our homes online, we pray that they will have the wisdom and confidence to guide us on a safe journey to more normal times, and pray that we will soon be together again to celebrate your name in church in words, music and song. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Loving Father, as we continue our Lenten journey, we pray that you will help us to be bold in our faith. May we have the courage and confidence to take up our cross and follow you with the same faith and commitment as your servant Abraham. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. We pray today especially for all our armed forces and all those who protect our country and freedoms at home and abroad. Too many places on your earth are still suffering the ravages and pain of war and conflict. Help us all to work together to spread your love and peace in everything we think, do and say. That people everywhere will know you, the Prince of Peace, and that cruelty and hatred may end and peace and justice may reign. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Give joy and confidence to all who are about to return to school. Give them the confidence to return and be happy and safe. Support and encourage their teachers and support staff and help and encourage us all to make the most of the remaining weeks of the school year. Lord, in your mercy, Hear, Hear our, prayer. our prayer. Be by the side of and comfort all those in pain, those who are facing the challenge of illness and the loved ones that face it with them. Give them and all who are ill the strength and faith to face each day and by the power of the Holy Spirit grant that they may return to good health as quickly as possible. Let us remember also those that have died and have now joined you in heaven. We pray that they will find peace with you and that you will comfort those who are left behind. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. 
Finally, we take time to remember in silence those known only to us who need your love and support. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us access to his grace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. The Lord be with you. 
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, 
and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God. We thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow him, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.